Welcome to The Gathering Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We talked about the mission last week, and I was having a conversation with Michael Averin, who was visiting from Virginia last week, and he mentioned to me that on Facebook, uh, there was a reminder that came up of a previous message from what we call Candidate Sunday, which is where I preached the message and then uh, got voted on to be the pastor, which was really exciting, um, for me at least. Um, but it was called, the message was called, Are We Satisfied? Are we satisfied with what we've seen up to this point? Are we satisfied with what we see in our lives? And, and are we satisfied with what we've seen God do in us and through us? And it's a really important question to ask, especially when we celebrate what God is doing, to ask, are we satisfied? Because there's, there's two different elements of this. And the first is to be satisfied in God. And the second is to be satisfied with God. We know that the only place that we could actually be satisfied, that we can actually be filled, is in Jesus. That's the only place that we could actually find satisfaction, not as the world would like to give, but true meaning and fulfillment through Jesus. And so I believe we are meant to be satisfied in Jesus. But I do not believe for a moment that we are to be satisfied with what we've seen him do already, because... God is a God that has no limitation. God is a God that continues to work through his creation, his people, as they trust in him, as they believe in him, as they put their faith and their hope in him. Because for us to be satisfied means that our job is done. It means there isn't a world that still needs him. It means that there aren't still people who don't know the loving message of who Jesus is, that don't know what it is to find hope in a savior and and a God who loves them. We cannot be satisfied with what we've seen up to this point. We can be grateful, and we must be grateful. But to be satisfied means the work is over. And I have to say, the work is not over. That we cannot be satisfied in what we saw a couple years ago. We can't be satisfied with what we've seen now. That up until the last moment that we are here on earth, we should be pursuing more of what God wants to do in us and through us. Now, I say that today because, yes, we look at the amazing things that God is doing, but we hope for and expect for and believe for more. We believe that there is nothing that is impossible for God. Amen? So um, I was thinking about this too, and and this past week uh, we were doing our Thanksgiving uh, dinner, but we also got a chance to bring a meal to um, a, a beautiful couple who's been a part of our church for many years, Lee and Patricia Smith. And as we sat there and we talked with them and and got to bring them some Thanksgiving dinner, they kept talking about how grateful they were that we were there, but they kept talking about each other as well. They've been married for 57 years, and they said multiple times that we are more in love today than the day that we met. Now, I, I loved it. It was such an awesome testimony to their relationship, but also it's a picture of not being satisfied with what was to continue to pursue more. And that should be an inspiration to us as uh, you know, husbands and wives. And I told them that I'm not bringing Jamie over because Lee makes me look bad as a, as a husband. Um, but we, we can't ever be satisfied with what we have when we know that there's more in God. And, and I hope you guys get that distinction here this morning. But we want to know that God wants to do more than we could ever ask or imagine that he wants to do things that are beyond our ability to comprehend. 
And when I think about what this means, I was looking back to a story that we know really well in Genesis chapter 12. And I want to read just the beginning of this in chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. I love this story for a variety of reasons. But one of the things that stands out to me today as we're reading through this is that God shows up to Abram in the place where he has lived and grown and likely been there for all 75 years of his life. And God speaks to Abram and says, I want you to leave everything that you know because I am going to do something that's bigger than you could ever imagine. But who knows that for Abram to actually say yes to this invitation, it means that he was not satisfied with what he had seen up to that point. If Abram was satisfied with what he had, he would have said, thanks God, but you know, find somebody else. I'm good, right? I've been here all my life. This is where my family is. This is what all I know. I'm good. You can, you can go ask somebody else. But that's not what Abram said. You see, there was something in the invitation that God was giving to Abram that grabbed the hold of something on the inside. There was something that Abram was not satisfied in. There was something that he was hungering after. Something that he desired. And we know as we continue to read this story that he was looking to have a son. He was looking to have descendants. And so when God shows up and says, I'm going to make you into a great nation, I'm sure that there was some conflict going on inside of Abram. But yet, there was a hunger inside of him to trust a God that he could not see, to lead him into a place that he had never been, to be able to see God fulfill the promise that he had made to him. You see, in our lives, there are likely things that we have believed for, asked for, words that maybe have been spoken over our lives that we're we're hoping for and believing for that we have not seen yet. And my question today is, are we still hungry and hungry enough to continue to pursue, to continue to go after, and to continue to trust God for what only he can do. See, that requires a hunger. It requires us to be willing to pursue even when it doesn't make sense. You see, Abram knew this, and, and it says that he actually went. He, he gathered all, his, all of his possessions. So it's not even like Abram just was kind of like had a couple of uh, goats and donkeys off to the side. He had a lot of stuff. The next chapter says that Abraham or Abram was very rich, and yet he took all that he had and he pursued after where God was calling him. See, it's a beautiful testament of what it means to be hungry, to not be satisfied with what we've seen, but to go after more. You see, this journey was a thousand miles, and it wasn't by airplane, and it wasn't by bus or car or train. This most likely would have been mostly done on foot. But he pursued and he believed. And we continue to read in verses 6 through 7. Abram passed through to the land, to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. So not only was he following after God, not only was he pursuing, but there was actually obstacles that were in the way to getting to what God had for him. 
I just, as we were in worship today, I, I felt like God was saying to a few people in this room here today that you feel like there has been a target that has been on your back. That you feel like there has been a target placed on you and that there have been shots that you have been taking from the enemy in your life. And, and maybe you're not aware of them. And, and I was talking to my mom about this last week. I really don't give the devil much credit in life. I don't think about him very often. I don't even give him the benefit of, of my thinking. But sometimes we do have to be aware, and, and often we have to be aware, that there is a spiritual realm, that there is an enemy who hates us, that wants to take us out. And I believe that there are obstacles that are placed in front of us, and we've talked about them often. But specifically here today, there are those that would say, I feel like there is a target that has been on my back, that there has been thing after thing after thing after thing that have been hitting me. And what I heard God say is that the target is not going anywhere, but God is going to be targeting you to be able to bring you what you need, to be able to turn around what the enemy has meant for evil, and he's going to use it for good in your life. You're going to be a target for his grace. And so I just want to say this quickly. Let's just close our eyes real quick. Father God, if there's anyone in this room here today that feels like they have been targeted by the enemy, that there have been spiritual attacks coming against them. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that those attacks would be broken right now in the name of Jesus and that they would be a target for your grace, a target for your mercy, a target for what you have for them, Lord God, that you would open the floodgates of heaven over their lives right now. And as they choose to trust in you in this time, that they would choose to come out of agreement with what the enemy has done. That there were no longer words to be spoken like, of course this happened to me. Uh, this is what always happens. This is what I've always seen. That they would come out of agreement with that way of thinking. And they would say yes to your grace that is sufficient. Your strength that is made perfect in their weakness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We need to come out of agreement with some of those ways of thinking where we see the enemy present in the circumstances. And we take that to mean either we're going the wrong way or this is not for us. And we need to start to look at what God wants to do in the midst of those situations. To have a deeper hunger for what God wants to do. So it says, Abram passed through the land. And it says in verse 7, he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. We go on to read in the next chapter, there is another uh, interaction with God where God says to him, I want you to look to the north, south, east, and west. I'm going to give you all of this land. And Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there, once again, he built an altar to the Lord. He continued to trust in what God had said. He continued to look at God and to say, God, I'm going to build this before you because I trust in what you are doing. You see, what I see present in Abram's life is a hunger after what God said was true. A hunger for the presence of God, a hunger for the truth of God, no matter what he was going through. Year after year after year, the promise of a child did not get fulfilled. Decade after decade, 75 years old when God called him out, and it wasn't until he was 100 that Isaac came to be. 25 years of waiting for a promise that they, he did not see come to pass. And yet, what does the Bible say about Abram? It says that he believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. He believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. You see, for our church, we are meant to be a church that believes God in all situations and all circumstances. That we believe God when it's going great and we can celebrate and we believe God when it's not going the way that we expected it to. 
that we continue to be hungry. We continue to hunger after what he has said and what he is going to do. And so for this upcoming year, there are three things that I want to point to, at least three things, but we'll start with these three here today. I want to see in this church in 2024 that we would be a church of increased hunger. That we would be a church that has a greater hunger for what it is that God is going to do. We can put that slide on the screen right now. I tried to make it as big as I could to be able to show how big our hunger is meant to be, okay? That's as big as I could really make it, right? But increased hunger, increased hunger for what God is going to do, and increased hunger and belief that as we expand the capacity within us, to expect more and to believe more. As we begin to taste and see that the Lord is good, that there would be a hunger that would grow inside of us and not just because we're fasting. Number two, that we would be a church with big dreams. That we would dream big dreams as a church. That we would not be satisfied with what we have seen. That we would not be okay with saying, okay, I've got to this point. It's been great. It's been fun but that I would dream big dreams that are so big that we could never make it happen on our own. That we could not in our own natural ability make it come to pass. What are the dreams that God has put on your heart? What are the things that he's... When he called out to Abram, he said, I want to make you into a great nation. At that moment, there must have been a dream inside of Abraham to be a father. God spoke to it, and he had the audacity to dream a big dream. What are the dreams that God is calling you to dream? What are the things that God wants to do in your life and through your life? I had a conversation this past week that broke my heart because I was speaking to somebody that I love. And they said, I'm just honestly just waiting for Jesus to come back. Because I could just hear in their voice there was a brokenness. There was a sadness. There was something that was, there were multiple things that just were not going the way they wanted it to, and they felt that there was no hope. And so the only hope was for Jesus to come back, which is an incredible hope. But guess what? We have a lot to do between now and then. We have a world that is hurting and in need of Jesus. And I can only imagine what Jesus is thinking when he died on the cross to give us everything that we needed, and we're just sitting here waiting for him to return. Should we be expecting him? We should always be living in expectation. But in the meantime, in this moment, there is work to be done. I'm going to try this just one more time. In the meantime, there is work that needs to be done. But we need to dream the big dreams. We need to be willing to expect that God wants to do more in our lives than what we think is possible. Because if our dreams are only as big as our own ability to make them happen, then our dreams stink. They need to be bigger. They need to be greater. Abraham tried to do it on his own. It didn't work. But it was the son of the promise that he was waiting for, the fulfillment of what God had said. We need to dream big dreams and have a change of our expectation in doing so. And finally, I want us to be a church that is, that is known for its brazen faith. Brazen faith. Can I tell you what brazen means? I like this word. Brazen means to be bold, shameless, or without embarrassment. It's used to describe someone behaving or acting in an audacious, 
or a defiant manner, often disregarding social norms or conventions. It can also suggest a lack of concern for the opinions or the reactions of others. I want to make sure you guys are reading the fine print being in this church, okay? It's not to say that we don't care about people because we care about people. But when God says, this is my word, this is what I have spoken, this is my promise over your life, this is what I've called you to, this is what I am calling you to walk into, it's when we hear that word and know that word that we refuse to be turned away, to be shamed, to be discouraged by the opinions of others because we trust in what he has said above what anyone else says. So a church of brazen faith, being willing to go after it, being willing to trust that what he has said is so much more important than what anyone else can say. See, I believe that this is what our, our church is called to be a church that has an increase in our hunger before we ever get to brazen faith we need an increase in hunger before we ever get to the point of not caring what everyone else thinks about us we need to be hungry more for what god is saying and doing instead of anything else and so it's this increase in hunger that that i really want to stop on here for a moment pastor rachel said on wednesday night i would love for my worship to offend someone I would love for my worship to be so bold that it would offend. I would love for my hunger for God to be so bold that people would look and take notice. It's this hunger that we're going after. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This word hunger means to desire earnestly. I love how David says it in Psalm 63. Verses 1 through 8. He says, Oh God, you are my God, and earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and a weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. What did hunger and thirsting look like for David? To go to Jesus, to go to his sanctuary, to go to his father and say, God, I am coming after you. My lips are going to praise you. I'm going to bless you. My hunger and my thirst, as if there is no water left, this is what I'm going to do to be filled. I'm going into your presence, Lord God. He continues to say, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. There is a hunger and a thirsting after God. But the place that it is filled is in his presence. It's in his presence. It's in our ability to praise him in the midst of whatever is going on in our life. To continue to trust in him. To continue to pursue him earnestly, knowing that it's only him that has the ability to bring us what we need and to fill the places that feel empty. And there are times for me that I look at this and I think there are some times where we don't even have the energy to eat. 
We don't even have the energy to go into to praise. And, and uh, you know, during worship, my mom shared a word about needing to mainline Jesus sometimes. I, I look at this and I'm like, this is an IV of his goodness flowing into us when we simply choose to trust him, even when we feel like we can't do it on our own. I, I just wanted to spend a moment here. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I feel so beaten down that I don't feel like praising Jesus. Am I the only one? You don't have to raise your hand. Are there times in life where you feel so beaten down that the last thing that you feel like you have the energy to do is to go to him? But yet those are the moments that matter more than anything. Those are the moments where we just simply say, yes, Jesus, you have what I need. I don't have the strength, but I need your grace. Your grace is sufficient for me. Your strength is made perfect in my weakness. I will boast all the more about my weakness because I know in you I'm going to find my strength. This is, this is hungering after him, hungering after what he is going to do in our lives. But sometimes, I don't know about you, but let's talk about this in the physical nature. I get really hungry and I fill myself up with stuff that is not necessarily hungering, thirsting after righteousness. Who's ever got home from work or after a long day and you're like, I am so hungry and you just look for anything to eat. I will eat anything in front of me. If it's on the table, Jamie said no. But everybody else is like, yes, I'm going after. It doesn't matter what it is, right? If I find some candy, this is what I'm going to fill myself up with. It doesn't matter what it is or how it's going to make me feel afterwards because let's be honest, when we just grab whatever is close, it doesn't always make us feel good afterwards, does it? Often it makes us feel pretty terrible. But we often go to these things because it's quick and it's easy and there is an appeal to it. And there is something about just the sugar, right? That, that's going to make me feel, okay, do you know that sugar can actually be like a drug? Just real quick, side note, okay? This is not necessarily part of the message, but I thought it was very interesting. Sugar consumption can also lead to addictive behavior as it activates the same pleasure centers in the brain as drugs like cocaine and nicotine. Eating too much can have negative effects on the brain, including increased inflammation, impaired cognitive function, and a higher risk of developing depression and anxiety. Just a side note. But if we take it and we apply it to the spirit, how often do we feel empty and we go after whatever that thing is that's going to fill us up quick and make us feel better for a moment? Whether it's sugar or drugs and alcohol, whether it's a Snickers bar or pornography, whether it's uh, Netflix or YouTube or TikTok or Instagram, what is that thing I'm going to grab real quick that's going to make me feel good for a moment and make me feel like crap afterwards? What, what is the thing that I'm going to reach for quickly because it's going to try to fill something inside of me where there's emptiness? You see, when there's hunger, we need to fill it, and we often go to the wrong things in order to fill it in the spirit and in the natural. And what we need to be aware of is that in our place of hunger, it's not meant to drive us to temporary fixes, but to an eternal promise of who God is and who his spirit is inside of us. We have to start to cut out the stuff that is, that is no longer good for us. And I just grabbed a little bit of this just from Thanksgiving. 
you know this doesn't necessarily seem very appetizing when we first look at it? This looks pretty good. It is pretty good. But do you know... One second. Been a couple days. It's a little dry, but it's pretty good. It's delicious, Miss Tuttle. Thank you. Um, that we don't normally go after things that are, some of us do. Some of us are weird. But for the rest of us, we don't go after the green stuff right away. Right? We, we don't necessarily gravitate towards that because this, this looks a lot better. Let's be honest. But uh, 10 years ago, I don't know who knows this, but you know, I was diagnosed with what doctors would call type 1 diabetes. I call it an opportunity for a miracle, right? For healing, right? But at that time, I realized I had to change my diet. And I did so kind of okay. But I stopped doing one thing. I stopped drinking soda. And so I stopped drinking this stuff. And it's cool. This one's my cola. Um, and it was very interesting because as I stopped drinking it, I started to you know, drink other things, water, seltzer, whatever else. But we had this youth party at my house one time. Where's Lily? She, she brought over some root beer and to my house. And it was like, I need some root beer because root beer was my favorite. Anybody else like root beer? Okay. It was my favorite one. I was like, I just need some of this. And I, we poured some big cups and I started drinking it. And I'm like, what am I drinking? This tastes like maple syrup. This is, this is so sugary. It was like overload to my system. And I realized something in that moment that was very sad. I no longer like root beer. I no longer have a taste for it anymore. Because I decided to make a switch to something else that was actually better for me. And as I cut out the sugar, I no longer had a desire for the sugar. And so when I'm thirsty, now I go for something else. Do you get where I'm going with this? There are things that we go to... In, in our emotions, in our feelings that would make us feel good because this is where we've always gone. This is the thing I've always gone to to make me feel better. But when we start to realize that this is not actually helping me, this is actually poison, and that I've been given authority in my life to know, I see the elbows, I, I, I have been given the authority to choose differently. Whether it's soda, for all of our soda drinkers here, or whatever it is, I've been given authority to no longer go back to those things. I've been given through Jesus, through the same power that rose Christ Jesus from the dead, that lives inside of me. I am no longer subject to what was. I've been given freedom through Jesus Christ. And when we start to realize this, and we start to cut out what we used to go to, this strange thing happens we start to lose a taste for it. It's no longer the thing that we gravitate towards. It's no longer the thing that we dream about. It's no longer the thing that, that we look at as the, the thing that's going to make me feel better. We realize that there is another option. There is another source that we can go to, and it's no longer something that's going to bring that feeling afterwards of shame and guilt and condemnation and disconnection. I truly believe this, that as we continue to go after healing in this church, that we are going to see healing not just for physical issues in the body, but for addiction as well. 
that we're going to begin to see healing that is going to be transformative, not just in the physical body, but in the soul, in the emotions, in the places that have been broken and and held to, to shame and brokenness and trauma in our lives. That there is a freedom to be able to choose differently, to be able to choose that which brings life instead of that which brings death. Psalms chapter 63 again. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. David wrote this as he was running away from his son Absalom in the, in the wilderness, in a place of brokenness. But he knew where to go. He knew what to go after. I want us to be a church that hungers after what is authentic, to be hungering after that which brings life, and to realize that we don't have room for the inauthentic anymore. We don't have room for the temporary fixes, the band-aids, the hold-me-overs, the stop-gaps. We need to go after the truth of what God has said, and he has given us the ability to choose life. Acts chapter 2 verse 17 says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. There are dreams that God wants to place inside of us when our hunger is turned towards him. There are things that he wants to bring fulfillment to, things that he wants to, to show us for ourselves and for our families and for our community for our nation and for the world, that we would be willing to step into a place of brazen faith, to increase in hunger, to dream big dreams, and to step out in faith in the reality that when I go with God, I'm not going alone. To know like Abram when he stepped out in faith that God was going to meet him. To know like Gideon when he went into battle against the Midianites, that even though he had 300 against the countless army, that he was going forward in faith that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. When we look at stories throughout the Bible where God gave victory time and time again to David over Goliath and, and to the, the Israelites as they marched around Jericho and all of these different instances, God showed up because people were willing to step into a place of faith that was not just a little faith, but it was brazen faith that didn't care what they looked like to other people, but said, yes, God, I trust in you and what you are going to do in my life. We need to dream bigger and press in for more. Our sights have to be set very high on on what it is that God wants to do. 